0: Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 13 of the Solving Problems Podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. If we haven't met before, my name is Jonathan Caron, and I am your host. I'm joined today, as always, by our co-host, Kyler Nixon. And Kyler, we are talking about one of probably the most important things in church, but one of the most awkward things as well, and that is giving. Yeah. This is a good conversation today. We have uh, Stu Baker from New Fire Giving and tons of wisdom in this. I was just sitting and um, I, I normally don't do this, but I actually sat in on the on the recording of this just so I could hear it live. And um, tons of good stuff covering everything from uh, what to communicate, how to communicate to people, how to cast vision. So it's a good. Really good episode. Yeah. The problem that we run into is... People have this idea that the church just wants their money. Right. And traditionally, we've done a bad job talking about giving. Uh, We either don't explain the reasoning behind why we give or we're secretive about where the money goes once people give. And in our world with uh, prosperity gospel and all that stuff, people are just naturally a little bit skeptical about giving in church. Yeah. And, and Stu gives some great ways to overcome that. Um, and also just to kind of share your heart as a church, even giving some nonprofit examples and kind of merging those together, showing why people are, you know, now in 2019, giving more to nonprofits than they are to churches and how churches can kind of overcome that. Um, so some good stuff here. And I know talking about money is awkward and we're kind of taught growing up that we don't talk about money, but I think this is an important conversation because, without people giving and actually still uses the word investing. And I love that word. Right. I love that too. Yeah. Without people investing in your church, we're never going to be able to do the ministry that God's called us to do. So we're going to go ahead and get to the interview portion of this to introduce Stu a little bit more. The last 11 years he has served in the church giving spaces by helping churches raise money so they can do more ministry. He's the founder and CEO of new fire giving and he's also a story brand certified guide. So we're gonna to go to the dance music and then Stu will be on the other side and we're gonna talk about 30 minutes to talk about giving and how you can increase giving in your church. We're here with Stu Baker. Stu go ahead and say hey to everybody.
1: Hey everybody.
0: Uh, Today's episode, if you skipped over the intro, is all about giving and the things that go along with it in the church world. And Stu, we're going to start with the big question first. When churches talk about giving, what's the single biggest mistake you've seen them make?
1: Coming right out the gate. Hey, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, just a little
1: bit. Yeah, I would say the biggest mistake we see churches make, and this is, you know, it's a uh, a broad answer here, but ineffective communication. Um, you know, if you're diving a little bit further in is they don't ask, which you would think, I mean, that's one of the most simplistic components of it. But, uh, you know, in, in our experience, you know, pastors often have, time, you know, trouble, whether it's during the offering, you know, clearly articulating, all right, here's here's why you should invest in what we're doing as a church, and here's how you can do it.
0: I I love that word you used there. You said invest in what we're doing as a church. In most contexts we we call it giving or we call giving back or we call tithing. You chose that invest word for a reason. So can you explain like why you used the investing word instead of just your basic giving?
1: Sure. So you know, and that's really how how we approach giving with with every church because you, I mean, you're sowing a seed. You, it's not just a, here's my money. You're investing in the growth of that ministry. So from, you know, from a donor standpoint, or if I'm a church member, um, you know, obviously I, I believe in what they're doing because I keep coming back. Um, and if I believe in what they're doing, then, you know, I believe you should invest both time and money. And because when you, when you do that, then um, the, the church then has the ability to achieve more of what the, what they set out to do and what the pastor got into ministry originally, um, you know, to be able to have a greater reach and impact in their community.
0: One of the, the best things with that I've ever seen is the church I went to in college. I've yet to see a church do this again. Since then, we were doing a series, um, he called it the power of 10. And the fact that I remember this over 10 years later is kind of incredible. But uh, he did a one as part of the series, did a sermon on giving and a sermon on tithing. And he put on the screen how much our church brought in annually in tithes, just the number. And next to that, put how many adults we had in the church and what the average giving or the average average. Household salary in our city was and then multiplied that together and then looked at like so we have this many people if we if everyone here tithed this is how much money we would be bringing in and and put the two numbers next to each other and then he didn't stop there with just the money he goes, if we had this difference. This is what we would be able to do. And then he just started listing the organizations that we partnered with of where that money would go to and was super transparent about like, hey, the reason we're asking you to invest to give your tithe is because we want to do more work with this organization. We want to take the gospel to these people with with this and straight up just said, hey, this is where your money's going. It doesn't he like I drive a 96 Honda or whatever it was at the time. So he, he took away those worries of like the pastor driving a brand new Cadillac or the money going to exorbitant things that don't need to be there. But he straight up said, Hey, if you guys did this, if you invested, this is what we would be able to do.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I mean, you said transparency here makes such a difference, you know, when I think it goes back to, and you know, it's a, it's a bigger issue that we all face. I mean, Um, growing up as a kid, you're taught two things. You're taught, Hey, don't talk to strangers and don't talk about money. So like we have this, this, you know, fear of talking about money ingrained in us. And it's not our fault. I mean, that's what we've been taught since we, you know, since we could crawl. And, um, but what that leads to is, you know, I I can't tell you how many church services I've been in where, you know, it comes you know, for, it comes time for the offering and you know whether they pass a plate or whether they have buckets in the back, but you know, you, you watch the, the church leader, the pastor, and you know, there's the, there are nerves associated with it. You know, they're dancing around the subject. Um, you know, we see oftentimes, um,
0: I've been on stage giving that, that offering announcement and it was nerve wracking. It was a little nervous to say, Hey, we were going to pass the place. Now, if you're new with us, we're not here for your money. Like to explain that whole thing was a little weird.
1: Right. I mean, you're talking, you're talking on the most awkward subject, uh, at least top three awkward subjects that you can talk about in church. And you, know, churches already have a stigma of, you know, they only, you know, you think they have a stigma that, um, you know, the church only wants your money. And so you're fighting, you, know, you are wrestling with that. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're hopping up there, if you know, again, it's simple, it goes back to, all right, if you can articulate here, you know, what you're doing as a ministry, you can do that where a five-year-old can understand that, then connecting that to why someone should invest in theory should be a lot simpler than we often make it.
0: So that leads to the next question I had written down for you. And it's how should we frame our messaging when it comes to giving? Because like you said, many people think the church just wants our money and we have a messaging problem when it comes to talking about giving. So what should that messaging look like?
1: Sure. What's, what's crazy. And, um, and this is why, you know, I believe every, um, why the story brand framework is so powerful Um, for not only business, but for churches, because, um, you know, if you, if Jonathan go to like 15 different church websites this afternoon, and you're going to see chances are 15 of the same mission statement, whether it's a love God, love people, we serve the world, um, which, you know, that all good things, right. But let's take that a step further, you know, as a church from a messaging standpoint, what are you trying to do? Um, And that can be, you know, there are a lot of churches who are heavily focused on community outreach. Uh, There are churches that are passionate about international missions. There are churches that are passionate about, uh, you know, recovery. There are churches that are passionate about, um, you know, having a vibrant kids ministry. I mean, all of these are good things. There's no right or wrong answer. However, when you can you know, really look inward and say, you know, what's the DNA of our church? What are we trying to achieve here? Um, That is actually the first step that, uh, you know, if you, if you, you know, the litmus test here is, uh, you know, if you're in conversation with the pastor or any volunteer for that matter is, Hey, you know, I've heard about, I've heard about this church, you know, why should I come to your church?
0: And if we can't articulate that, then why would anybody ever want to give money to it?
1: Precisely. Hundred percent.
0: I work with a church that I've been with them since before they planted. And they're now, I think, three, three and a half years old or so. They did an offering before Christmas this past year um, where going back to what they're about, they have a love God, love people, change the world type of mission statement like a lot of other churches. But they're super specific on what they wanted to do. And for their year in giving, they said, hey, here's what we're going to do. A hundred percent of what we raise over the next three weeks is going out. We're not keeping any of it. And they said, 30% 30% of it was going to a church plant they're supporting in Brooklyn, 60% was going to, towards a global partnership in Mumbai, and 10% was going to a family of missionaries in Laos. And they said that from the very beginning, said, hey, this is where your money's going. This is where your money's going. And this church of about 500 people or so, if that, they raised almost $48,000 in two and a half weeks that then turned around and was given away because they had a clear message for what they were going to do with it. And it fit the vision statement and the mission statement that they've been preaching since they started the church. Yeah. Jonathan,
1: I think there's a, there's a common misconception that, you know, church leaders often face in that um, we, we think that the people in our church aren't generous or they don't want to give, or it's a burden on them to give. When in the reality is the opposite is in fact true that, I mean, these are people that, that's why they're in your church. I mean, they're 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 coming to your church because they want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And when you open, the, you know, just like that example you just gave. I mean, uh, when you invite them in. And provide them an opportunity where um, they can be a part of something bigger than themselves, then oftentimes they're jumping at that chance and they'll respond. Um, but if we're, you know, going back to the messaging, if you're not clear why they should come to your church, then chances are you're not going to be clear as to why they should give to your church. And I, you know, I, I think now more than ever, um, and we're seeing these negative uh, trends in church giving is, um, you know, while nonprofit giving is up and it's actually higher than it's ever been. So we're living in in the most generous generation and, our nation's history right now. The problem is, um, you know, over the last 30 years, you've seen giving to the church actually decline while giving to nonprofits are, are way up. And so, you know, why, why
0: is that in your study? Like you're in this field. Why, why do you think people have started giving to nonprofits more than churches?
1: Two reasons. Um, and they go hand in hand. Uh, the first reason is nonprofits do a much better job of articulating or connecting the investment, the financial investment to, uh, to the outcome or to, you know, the mission result. So they do a phenomenal job at that. Um, the second thing is, uh, and on that note, I mean, the study after study after study showed that the number one reason that a person elects to invest or contribute or give is goes back to the clarity of that organization's mission and the clarity of that organization's message. So that's the number one reason they're giving. The second thing is I think that pastors, and this is, this is not a knock on pastors. I mean, I'm a PK, so I've I've been in it my entire life. Right. Um, And that's why I can say this, uh, but I think pastors often struggle with this curse of knowledge and that Hey, because like, you know, my dad grew up in a, in a very conservative Christian home. So, you know, and of course he's carried that out, um, to this present day, but in his world, um, yeah, you gave 10% because that's just what you do. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a non-negotiable. I mean, we would have to, growing up, we'd have to tithe off our allowance (laughs) We're being like,
0: I did the same thing. Yeah. I got $10. (laughs) I have to go take a dollar to the church. But
1: you know, we, with the, with the curse of knowledge, I say curse of knowledge, because, you know, we assume that everybody sitting in your pews or everybody sitting in your, in your church auditorium grew up the same way. When, you know, the reality is people, you know, that didn't grow up in the church and they're visiting and they're part of your church, they don't know. And you know, and so they're not going to know if you don't clearly tell them. Does that make sense?
0: So, because it, yeah, but because it's awkward for us, and because we just assume that church people know what tithe, why they should tithe and give, we don't talk about it. But that lead that doesn't motivate people in the church to give, and it doesn't explain to new people why they should jump in. And one of the things, uh, I recently listened to a podcast with the founder of Charity Water.
1: water.
0: His story is incredible. Um, I never heard it before, so I was, was, it was really entertaining to me, but he talked about when he first started the nonprofit that the people he would go to, to ask them to donate, they were super skeptical because they didn't know where the money was going. And they'd seen people take advantage of charity before. And I think we're in the same spot. We've seen prosperity preachers. We've seen the bad side of church giving and people for better or for worse, probably for worse, have a negative connotation when it comes to giving in church, which I think leads to that nonprofit. And you said nonprofits show what they do a little better. So what Charity Water did, they did two things I thought was really interesting he didn't guilt people into giving, where in the past, um, I think the church has done this, and non-pro- nonprofits and charities definitely did it. They showed pictures of starving kids and sure. said, we need you to help them. Um, they played on the failure bucket and said, we can't do this without you, whatever. What Charity Water decided to do was they, they're going to throw a party for clean water. And they went success bucket, success bucket, success bucket, and just started celebrating all the clean water they were giving away. So they were calling people to something, just like my pastor in college did. He was, They showed people, hey, this is what your money can do. Imagine a world where people had clean drinking water. And so in churches, it's imagine a world where we take the gospel to people in wherever. Imagine a world where we support this organization or imagine what we can do if we had this much money to invest in our city so that we could reach more people. Um, So it's calling them to something. But then they took it one step further and he wanted it to be where everyone can know where their money went. So they were incredibly transparent. And he even took it a step further than what churches can do. They set up two different bank accounts to where, People can donate to the clean water or people can donate to the funding of the actual nonprofit the organization, which I don't think churches can get into. Um, that's a bigger conversation than we're having right now. But the point of it was that they wanted people to know where the money was going. They didn't want to hide it. They weren't scared of people asking, where's the money? And I think... In churches, because we've sat through that three-hour business meeting where, where Betty Sue questions everything, we try to be kind of vague, and that's counterintuitive to what we
1: need to be doing. Yeah, spot on. And I mean, I just pulled up, you know, looking at Charity Water's site. It's so it's so crystal clear. Not only what their mission is, um, but I love that. I mean, their their CTA, their call to action is forward-facing give monthly. <laughs> That's the first thing you see. And, you know, it goes back to, And you know, Jonathan, you and I have talked about this offline, but, um, you know, when I, when I go to charity water, the first thing I see is give monthly. So they're, they're communicating exactly how they want me to give where, you know, with, with churches, you know, that, that we've worked with, you know, more is not always better. Um, You know, having, having multiple avenues to give, you know, throwing up nine different ways to give the result of that is confusion. And, you know, here with charity water, I love that they have avoided that. You can give in other ways, but they're incredibly clear right from the get go of, yeah, but here's how we're, here's how we prefer you do that.
0: I think that's, what you just said is a big piece of it because stats have proven that when you give people more ways to give, you bring in more money. There's some statistics that say that, but at the same time, it adds more confusion and to tell people, Hey, we want you to sign up for recurring giving. Here's how you do that. We want you to give online. Here's how you do that. Pick Pick your main source of how you want people to give. It's okay to have text giving. It's okay to have online giving. It's okay to have all the different ways you give. But when you're on your website, you probably don't need to talk about text giving because people can click the button right there and give online. Conversely, when you're in your church service, talking about text giving can be great because people have their phone, but they probably don't have their checkbook. Precisely. So... It's easy to it's easier to give it online or give through text while sitting in church, but instead we give the same message in both avenues. We get up on stage and say, Hey you can text to give or you can go online or you can pass the bucket or you can do this, this, or this. And then we go to the website. Here are the 17 ways you can give. You can mail it.
1: And here. so, like,
0: yeah, so we, we give all these options instead of saying, hey, click here to give online. And then maybe on the website further down, buried a little bit is, if you're not ready to give online, here are your other options for things you can do. Um, I don't think anyone's ever been sitting in a church service and thought, man, I could donate my stock to the church right. make a big difference. And yet the giving slot I had to create for a church mentioned giving by stock. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Right. And I mean, I feel like people that would be entertaining the conversation of giving with stock already know that. (laughs) And, you know, to, to your point, it's just cluttering up your website and you see, I mean, passing the plate, that's a form of technology. I mean, it's an older form of technology. Um, but You know, a big thing that we always talk about is, yeah, it's okay. It's great to have multiple giving methods. In fact, we encourage you to have multiple giving methods. However, understand also that, you know, all giving methods are not the same. And, you know, there are, you know, case in point, like with the text, with a text donation. Text giving campaigns work phenomenally well when you're doing like minimal ass. So like for our church, um, you know, every December we do a bed drive where, um, you know, someone can donate, um, like it's like 200 bucks a bed. Uh, we've done backpack giveaways or, you know, Hey, donate 20 bucks. And you, you supply a kid, a kid that doesn't have any school supplies with a backpack and school supplies so he can go back to school. Um, you know, when you have specific initiatives around that, then you're going for you know, preferably a minimal ask, you know, that twenty bucks. But they're able that donor is able to tie that action, that text donation, to a specific outcome, a specific result that comes from that donation, and you know, the emotion behind um, you know supporting underprivileged children or um, you know, community outreach missions, you know, a lot of, a lot of times those are very emotional gifts and, um, you know, text provides an easy, tangible way to, you know, to get them in the door, so to speak. Um, however, there's, you know, that's a, that's a prime purpose for text giving. Um, but if they're on your website, like you said, they're already on your website, like just let them, Just let them hit the give online because they are online, Um, you know, and use your text giving as a, you know, kind of a first date type um, for the first date type donation. Maybe someone that comes to your church every week, but, you know, let's face it, they're not really giving anything. And but hey, they you know, when you've tied a minimal ask, you know, that could be a, a great medium to Give that person an opportunity to raise their hand and say, yeah, you know, um, I do wish that I do believe that every kid that's going to school deserves and needs to have school supplies so that he can continue furthering, you know, their own education. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And it gets back to the general idea that we've talked about throughout this conversation that people will give when you tell them what they're giving towards. And they're not going to give if you keep it broad in general. So when we're more specific about what the money is going to, that's when people don't think, oh, the church just wants my money. That's when they realize, "Okay, I can give and make an impact. And that will make people be more likely to take that next step. The other thing when we talk about nonprofits and why that giving is going up while church giving is going down, one of the things that I think nonprofits do a better job of is nurturing that relationship and and celebrating the money uh just if you with the charity water example again they let you know like where the actual spring or the well that you give to where that is in whatever country they can give you gps coordinates to where like you can go visit that well and in church we don't it's kind of harder especially if you're just giving general tithing of where that money is going But the only time we ever really celebrate our giving is through year-end videos when we just ask for more giving before the end of the year. How can we be nurturing those relationships and updating people on where their money's going throughout the year so that they are more confident that they're giving to something important?
1: Yeah, no, Jonathan, that's a great question. You know, really if you – the first step in that – If you had to say, um, I think it's acknowledging that, hey, all donors are not created equally. You know, they're just in the same way that, you know, we talk about your, you know, your spiritual journey, right? Where, you know, even take someone that's new to the faith. um, You know, they're going to be at a different, different place in their walk than someone that you know, has been a born again Christian for the last 30 plus years, Um, which is, that's, that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, In the same way that we have, that you're, you know, that you're at different phases in your discipleship journey. um, I think it's also fair to say that you can be at different phases in your stewardship journey or in your, you know, let's pick a different word besides stewardship, but um, on the, the type of level of giver that you are. Um, so meaning that if, if we acknowledge first that there are different types of givers and, um, you know, with, like with our framework at New Fire, you know, we address them as, you know, people that don't give anything at all. People that make that uh, leap to become a first time giver. Then you have those casual givers or sporadic givers you know, that they're going to give, you know, they've given several times, but they're going to give if they're in church and they happen to have a checkbook or if they're in church and something you say like, um, you know, they're giving sporadic, but it's not like a, a regular weekly or monthly thing. Uh, the next would be your recurring givers. Uh, these are the people that really your church has built their foundation on. I mean, these are the people, yes, I believe in what you're doing. And I, I'm raising my hand, taking a leap of faith and saying, yeah, Hey, I want to continue to support and invest um, because I think we have a great thing going here. Uh, then you have like your impact givers, your legacy givers. These are your, you know, your key volunteers that, I mean, they're, they are bought in, man. Um, so understanding if you have different types of givers, then you the way that you thank them is completely different. Um, you know, going back to you know, a person that decides to give for the first time, that's it. That's a major decision that there's a lot of emotion that go into it. And we talked about this at the beginning of our conversation, you know, with church leaders facing this curse of knowledge, you forget what it's like to give for the first time.
0: That's scary.
1: When reality is the, your tithers, your, you know, your impact givers, your legacy givers, those people were all at one point, first time givers. And so if you approach it and shift, you know, shift the way that, you know, that you thank your donor. So when when that person does raise their hand for the first time and say, yeah, all right, let's do this. I'm going to give. Then please thank them. (laughs) You know, like um, because the the thank you follow up strategy and, you know, you can use some automation. Uh, I know a lot of churches uh, write personalized thank you cards, um, which I think is brilliant um but that person that you know has given for the first time they're looking for two things they're looking for gratitude and they're looking for assurance that their investment is making in fact a difference and if they see those two things then they'll give again and you've you've helped lead this person that that you know a couple months ago never gave at all and now they're you know, moving along the spectrum and they're becoming a person that, um, you know, begins to seriously invest financially in in your church.
0: That's really good. And giving is a topic that like, like most of our topics could go longer, but we want to respect your time. Real quick before we leave, Stu, can you give a 30 second, 45 second just pitch for if, if a church needs some help with their giving, um, how can you guys at new fire help them out? So we want to be able to let them know what their next steps could be if they need some help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for, you know, for the churches that we serve, it's understanding, and um, walking you through a framework, that's addressing three key areas, uh, helping you as a ministry, clarify why someone should give, uh, which is, you know, we said during this conversation, that's the number one reason that a person elects to invest or contribute to your ministry. The second thing is we make how they give uh, extremely easy, and so we do this with online giving, with mobile giving, with text giving, with kiosks. Understanding, hey, most people don't carry checks anymore, so providing the technology for them to do that. And then, if you've clarified why that they're giving, and now it's easy as to how they can give. What do you do when they give? How do you celebrate the impact that's taken place? So, uh, you know, for churches that are you know whether it's you're looking for new givers, whether it's um, hey you have a lot of people coming through the door and they're giving, but how do we you know how do we nurture that relationship so that they're um, more consistent, recurring givers in our church? Um, you know that would be a big thing. And then for for a lot of churches that hey you know you've had digital giving for years and it's it's working great and you're seeing you know 85 of your givings digital and you hope to be at 95 by this time next year but you're just not sure if, if you're overpaying, um, you know, for a lot of churches that we, that we serve, we come in and, um, you know, just make sure that you're, you're set up from a you know rate standpoint. So I, you said what, two and a, two and a half minute commercial there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We're good with
0: that. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, Stu, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, that's it for today's episode. If you want to know more about New Fire Giving and how Stu and his team can help you, head over to newfiregiving.com and they'll be able to help you out. Next week, we're going to be talking to Drew Powell from Cross Point Church. We're talking about next steps, half steps, how to call people to action, and then how to give them an option if they're not ready to fully commit to whatever we think is next. Because we always want people to be moving forward as always if you want to get in touch with us i am at jonathan underscore corone on twitter and instagram kyler is at kyler underscore nixon if you have any questions for us reach out there or head over to solvingproblemspodcast.com fill out the form and reach out and we'll get back to you as quick as we can don't forget to subscribe rate and review and we'll be back next week with drew see you then